Now that Roe has been overturned, the question becomes, what do you do now? The short term is making sure no one is denied. And then the longer term is you got to get those rights back. Make no mistake, the bosses and politicians, their wives and sisters and daughters and mistresses will still have access to abortion. It's working people who are going to have a difficult time accessing reproductive health care. Over the years, the lesbian gay community, LGBTQIA+, has counted on the broader labor movement to advance our rights as well. And now with the recent overturning of Roe v. Wade, the right to marry is being threatened. That is why we also celebrate Pride, is to show our LGBTQ plus community members that they are part of us, that we love them, and they are included. And anybody who doesn't feel that way can go off. You're listening to the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly. A quick word before we get to the show. This is your network, and we're building it like a union organizing campaign, one show and one listener at a time. Please help us build this sonic solidarity by sharing this show. Just click on the share button. Thanks so much. On today's show, from the Rick Smith Show, Robin Marty of the West Alabama Women's Center clarifies the reality of the post-Roe v. Wade aftermath and what can happen next. Then, what unions should be doing to protect their workers? On the Valley Labor Report, Jacob and Adam discuss the loss of Roe v. Wade and the implications other Supreme Court rulings have on our rights. The Gulf Coast Area Labor Federation's Linda Morales talks with the Lone Star Labor Pod about the intersection of the LGBTQIA and labor movements the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and what union members can do about it. Then, Pride Month is in June, so why is Vancouver USA Pride held in July? Find out on the Working to Live in Southwest Washington podcast. In our final report, Belarus union leaders are under attack. Rudy Porter, Solidarity Center Regional Program Director for Europe and Central Asia, briefed members of the Labor Radio Podcast Network at our weekly meeting. Here's the show. Smith show. Now, here is Rick Smith. So now that now that Roe has been overturned, the question becomes, what do you do now? You may remember about a month ago we had a guest on talking about building the underground railroad to where, you know, we're going to take women from states that have banned it and we're going to move them to places where it's legal and we're going to create an environment. This is what we need to be doing. This is the kind of work we need to be making sure happens right now in response. The short term is making sure no one is denied. And then the longer term is you got to get those rights back. You got to fight for those rights back. And here to share some thoughts on what we do in the short term and maybe what the medium long term goals are 
I've asked Robin Marty to come talk with us. She is the director of operations at the West Alabama Women's Center, also the author of the new handbook for a post-Row America. She's also got an incredible op-ed out. Mad about Row? Here's what to do now. Op-ed over at the New York Times. Robin, thanks for taking time for us. Thank you so much for having me, Rick. So lots of there. The big question is now what? How do people navigate the, where we are? I think a lot of us are still trying to understand what this exact moment means. Everything is changing, but honestly, it's changing in both directions. Oh, just a few days ago, we saw, I believe, nine states that made abortion completely illegal as soon as the Supreme Court ruling came down, including my state of Alabama. But now we're seeing that some of those states have managed to do court challenges, stating that they believe that there is still a right to an abortion in their state constitution. So we're seeing some of this roll back already. Utah has just had a, a law. They've just had their trigger ban blocked and is able to do abortions again. Texas has just put in a challenge against their total abortion ban trigger. And I believe Louisiana clinics just reopened because they also have challenged their trigger ban and that has gone to the courts and a restraining order has been put on that. So we know there's already movement. Unfortunately, in a lot of ways, that makes it even more confusing because it's impossible to honestly figure out which state is open or closed until a person actually calls and finds out. And today for us, we had probably three different patients who came in who were supposed to have appointments today, who were contacted over the weekend, but either did not get the message or came in anyway because they'd already had their first day initial appointments and thought that meant maybe the law wouldn't apply to them. So those people still came in and that's something that in some ways we're actually encouraging people is if you are not sure if you can still have an abortion in your state, if you have an appointment, contact your clinic, find out are you still able to have that appointment? Can you still book an appointment? And the irony of Dobbs being decided on Friday is the fact that the one clinic that's in the center of it is actually now one of the only clinics in the South that can do abortions. The rest of the states all had triggers, but Mississippi still has another 10 days, I believe, before abortion is completely illegal. My next line of question was, because I watched Christy Nome give her little spiel on Face the Nation over the weekend, talking about we're not going to go after the mothers at all. It's everyone else that they're going to go after, anyone who may have helped, anyone who may have funded, any doctors who were involved, all of that along the line to make folks like you miserable. And it's purposeful because it's meant to both isolate any person who is seeking an abortion so that they are afraid, so that everyone is afraid to help that person, and so they are never able to get assistance. And so one of the things that I encourage people to do in whatever state that they are in, whether it's a red state, a blue state, if they are in a local city, to contact local officials, contact DAs, contact city attorneys, and demand that legislation be passed or a promise be made that said that they will not investigate any poor pregnancy outcome. And the reason that we need to do this is because when we have illegal abortion, any person who has an unsuccessful pregnancy is going to be suspected of having tried to do their own abortion. And in many of these states right now, these are the states that have not expanded Medicaid. They have the worst maternal mortality. There are no doctors. There's no prenatal care. There's no preventative care whatsoever. And so that makes for unhealthy pregnancies, whether they're wanted or not. 
So we are talking about people who have pregnancies that they want to continue, that are having complications and could still be investigated. And that means not just them, but their families, their other healthcare providers, anyone could be at risk. How do you then move this in a longer period once people start figuring out how to navigate this a little bit differently? What do you think long term then is the is the direction? It's true that they probably will be able to navigate it. People are resourceful. What my concern is and what I think will happen next is the fact that obviously if we've watched the Supreme Court during this last session, this is only one piece of creating a Christian theocracy. And in that Christian theocracy, one where there is no separation of church and state that will use its power and resources essentially to force everybody into following their doctrine under the guise that religion rights trump any other sort of rights. I believe that is the point in which even all young people, all people who don't feel that they're engaged in politics, once they are directly confronted with that, I think that is when things will really start to change. Because the one thing that we do know is that in America, church going and people who identify as religious has gone down every single year. And that's why they're scared. And that's why they're making these changes right now. And so that's how they keep themselves in power. So we just need to recognize at that tipping point that we are the majority and that we have to come together. And maybe that's the one thing that we can get everybody to come together under because it seems like every other division just keeps us apart. Robin, I appreciate the thoughts. Thank you. Good stuff. Make sure you check out her book, uh, The New Handbook for a Post-Row America. She wrote that back in 2019. And how'd she know? Well, she read the tea leaves like everybody else. Uh, when you start seeing who Trump was putting on the Supreme Court, other than Susan Collins, everyone knew. Back with your thoughts. one 416 rick one 416 7425 This is The Rick Smith Show. We're working people. Come to talk. Listening to Alabama's only union talk radio show, The Valley Labor Report, with Adam Keller and Jacob Morrison. Hello, Tennessee Valley. This is The Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co host and fellow agitator is Adam Keller, and we are broadcasting live online and on the radio from the heart of the Tennessee Valley, the Spice Radio Studio in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, so abortion rights or workers' rights, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and the decision to impose the religious views of a minority of the country by unelected and unaccountable people in our government is, go- is going to have, this is, not, this is not an opinion, this will have, disastrous economic, social, and emotional tolls on working people across the country. It's, it's a form of class warfare. This is part of a broader class warfare upon working class people because, make no mistake, wealthy individuals will still be able to access abortions. Of course. The bosses and politicians, their wives and sisters and daughters and mistresses, will still have access to abortion. It's working people, and even to some extent middle class people, 
who are going to have a difficult time accessing reproductive health care. And, of course, unions have a role to play in this. Absolutely. Um, media unions are leading the way in the most obvious, the most obvious first response, collectively bargaining for abortion coverage in our union contracts. Angela Fu at Pointer reported that the three largest unions representing journalists, the News Guild, the Writers Guild of America East, and SAG-AFTRA, have all released statements condemning the draft. This was back before the opinion was actually released. They released statements condemning a draft of a Supreme Court majority opinion. And members and units within those unions are working to add provisions to their contracts that would ensure their health insurance covers abortion care. Uh, Unions do have to go beyond that, though, particularly for working people in states like ours in the Deep South who are governed by people who reckon the government ought to decide what we can do with our bodies, not the workers themselves. Connor Lewis relayed a portion of a conversation he had with Dr. Rebecca Given, a professor of labor and industrial relations at Rutgers University, where she suggested that unions ought to be using union release time to do abortion access work of providing transportation and child care, similar to how many unions use release time for elections. That's another thing that unions should be doing. But it is up to us rank and file working folks to do the work of building our unions in into strong militant forces willing to flex our muscles to defend these rights at the ballot box as well. We need a labor movement so strong that politicians quake at the thought of defying us and defying the bodily autonomy of our members. To make that a reality, we've got to organize. Um, To round it out, though, (laughs) we're going to have all the other rights that we used to have. It's just... We can't get an abortion anymore. This is not the end. The talking point for a couple of weeks was, don't worry, it's just abortion. All your other rights are safe. That was a lie, and they knew it as well. In a concurrence to the opinion of the court, Clarence Thomas, alleged sex offender, Clarence Thomas said that we should reconsider All of this court's substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence, and Obergefell. Substantive due process is the grounds upon which the right to the constitutional right to abortion was was granted. And it was on that on that same basis, substantive due process, that many other rights have been given to us, that have been recognized. Griswold recognized the right to contraception. Lawrence invalidated sodomy laws. Obergefell recognized the right to marriage equality. All of these have been explicitly explicitly called out in a concurrence to the opinion of the court by Clarence Thomas. Well, and it's not just that. It's not just that because this very week, abortion rights weren't the only rights to be gutted by the Supreme Court. Uh, Just this week, we saw a ruling that the police can no longer be sued for ignoring your Miranda rights. Yeah. 
as if we needed more reason to be skeptical of the cops. <laughs> um, states, uh, we we saw a case involving Maine and a school uh, funding a lawsuit where now the state of Maine will be required to fund private religious schools, uh, which does not bode well for the future of public education and the threats by voucher programs and charter schools. Um, we also saw a ruling where states need not provide medical care that could exonerate prisoners. They did expand gun rights. Now, Shit. gun rights, yes, they're they're willing to expand that, but on virtually every other aspect of your life, they are in the process of restricting rights and moving this country backwards. Welcome back to the Lone Star Labor Pod, the weekly or approximately weekly podcast from the Texas AFL-CIO. My name is Madison White. I am a digital organizer for the Texas AFL-CIO. We're back this week with a really exciting um, guest for the last Monday of Pride Month. We are speaking with Linda Morales from the Gulf Coast Area Labor Federation. Linda is a true inspiration and a champion for workers' rights, for women's rights, for gay rights. Linda, would you like to say hello to our listeners and introduce yourself? Absolutely. I am Linda Morales. I am the organizing coordinator for the Gulf Coast Area Labor Federation. I am union. I am for women's rights, for Latino rights, and for lesbian gay rights. You shared your story recently in an interview talking about your life as an LGBT community member and an organizer. Do you want to talk a little bit about like Pride Month and what that means to you? Pride Month is, is an important month for me as a Latina lesbian activist. It means the freedom, right? The freedom that we all want, the freedom to love. My work in the labor movement has been the catalyst for the work in the gay lesbian community. We both movements have often defended and depended on the same people. You know, gay, lesbian folks, we're working class. We've relied on the rights that have been secured by unions to protect us and at times in the absence of legislative rights. And I know that in, in over the years, the lesbian gay community, LGBTQIA+, has counted on the broader labor movement to advance our rights as well. So there's a lot of intersection work that, that both movements stand again from continuing to work together. And now with the recent overturning of Roe v. Wade and the threat of our the right to marry is being threatened, I know that there's going to be, there, that's a point where we can all again come together, but definitely labor and other communities, we've worked together for the same benefits that labor strives for, respect on the job, collective bargaining agreement where things are written down so that everyone understands their rights. That's been the catalyst of the labor movement. Yeah, I think that intersectionality you're speaking to is so important. And like we're seeing with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, Starbucks has said that they'll help to secure reproductive rights for their partners, but they can't guarantee it for their unionized stores or gender affirming care for transgender partners at Starbucks and non-binary and non-gender conforming partners at Starbucks. They've said, we just don't know if we're going to be able to offer those benefits to our unionized members. And it's really disgusting to see mm -hmm. 
people's lives be threatened by these union busting techniques when we really should all be working to keep each other safe and lift each other up. Exactly. Lord, I know the world of union busting as a union organizer. I've been part of many campaigns where working for the nurses, seeing how large corporations would rather have these union busters come in, threaten their workers than having those nurses and and professionals taking care of patients. It's horrible. And those union busters should be ashamed of themselves. Absolutely. I'm thinking about like our union members that are medical health providers, our nurses work in hospitals that are now going to be burdened with Roe v. Wade being overturned and the decision of whether they can offer somebody life-saving care. It's just, it's really disturbing. And we know that working families will feel the brunt of having their reproductive rights limited, but also like our working people that are just trying to do their jobs and keep people exactly. safe. Like it's it's additional burdens that we all know that our healthcare providers really don't need. That's exactly um, correct. That's exactly yeah. correct. So right when we think we've accomplished some things, the fight continues. And I'm glad that we have that that working people have avenues like the labor movement, the gay movement and other movements that can coalesce and help each other so that working people win. One thing that not everybody knows about Roe v. Wade is that it's not just about abortion rights. There's so much wrapped up in privacy and the right to autonomy that we're seeing be threatened. And now we know that there are lots of other landmark decisions, including the right to same-sex marriage and same-sex relationships that's now on the line. So turnout in November is incredibly urgent. Mm -hmm. Do you have any recommendations or things that you would tell people that are looking to get involved, maybe just as a community member, maybe as a member of a union that they haven't been the most active and they're looking to step up and be a real ally the next few months? The beauty of the labor movement is that we have constituency groups and involvement in those constituency groups is critical with a pride at work, with the Coalition of Labor Union Women, with the APRI. There's places that welcome people. And you can start, you don't have to, you can start off ground up. You can start off at the bottom learning about doing voter registration, voter education. And if that's what you want to do perfectly, that's fine. But if you really want to get involved, we have programs here where folks can come and volunteer. There's lots of work to be done. There's phone banking that needs to be done. There's knocking on doors that needs to be done. Make contact with your union. Tell them, ask them, how can I help? I want to make a change and get involved. There's plenty of avenues. We'll take you wherever. Well, you need no, no experience necessary. We'll train you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing your truth with us. Hello, working people of Southwest Washington. You're listening to episode 31 of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council and sponsored by Vancouver USA Pride. But more on that in a little bit. We're also a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network with over 150 radio shows and podcasts for working people just like you. Find out more about the network at laborradionetwork.org. I'm Shannon Myers. And I'm Harold Phillips. Rainbow Pride flags are 
out. Yes, they are. Because Shannon, it's June and it's Pride Month. Happy Pride. Oh my gosh. I love Pride Month. And the reason that I do is because we have amazing people in our community who are LGBTQ+. And not only in our community, but in our labor movement. So happy Pride. Even though June is Pride Month across the country, here in Southwest Washington, our own local celebration, Vancouver USA Pride, is taking place in July. We've got three members of the Vancouver USA Pride Board of Directors to tell us all about that. Who also, by the way, happen to be union members and delegates to the amazing Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. Well, two of them are absolutely union members, including my sag after sister, Jennifer Lanier. Thank you so much for joining us, Jennifer. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. I am a very, very, very proud member of SAG-AFTRA. I'm also a very proud member of Actors' Equity Association. We've also got Dustina Haas-Lanier here with us. Dustina, thanks for joining us. Hi, everybody. I am sad that I'm not in a labor union right at this time. (laughs) I have most of my life been part of unions, but um, in the recent months, I've been working for an organization that does not have a union, nor does my position. I'm chief of staff for Pride Media Incorporated. Well, I'm sure that you are working on that. I am. (laughs) Let's not forget Brian Belial who is not only a union member, he's also chair of the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council's events committee. Thank you so much for being here, Brian. It is great to be here. I am part of IOTC Local 28, the stagehands union. I'm specialty in wardrobe. I um, actually am doing cats at the Keller Auditorium here in another three hours. What just happened this last week? They took away Roe v. Wade from women. You don't think they're going to come after LGBTQ plus next? I mean, we are are heading back in the wrong direction for all kinds of people in our society. And that's why elections matter. People wake Mm -hmm. up. Roe v. Wade was just overturned this last week. They are coming for you next. And that is why we also celebrate Pride is to show our LGBTQ plus community members that they are part of us, that we love them, and they are included. And anybody who doesn't feel that way can go off. (laughs) They have actually said explicitly in the opinion that the decision that legalized gay marriage should also be looked at. So you're not just making guesses. This is something that Clarence Thomas in his concurring opinion wrote about explicitly. He wrote that they need to look at that, that they needed to look at Lawrence. You know, I keep thinking that, yes, we absolutely celebrate pride because we're excited about being part of the LBGTQ plus uh, community. And we know that our job is to also keep our eyes open and make sure that no other community is going to be harmed. No other community is going to have their rights taken from them. Of course, we fight hard for us, but we want to keep fighting because we're looking ahead. We're always looking ahead. We do have intersections in so many other communities, right? Because who you love has nothing to do with your race. Who you love has nothing to do with your disability or your religion. We have people that intersect in so many ways. Like Jen and I are Native American. And I'm in a wheelchair. Those identities come to pride with us, right? All these areas of discrimination also hit queer people. Yeah, we do experience a lot 
of strife sometimes and in different parts of our country. I remember working at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida back in 2010. And my boyfriend wouldn't hold my hand in public and coming from the Northwest, that was unheard of. <laughs> like in the more populated areas of New York, Chicago, LA, Seattle, Portland, we live in the bubble. Not that everything's perfect, because it's not. People still get bashed. People still have problems with queer people. Um, even within our labor movement, we struggle every day explaining how to be a better supporter of the queer community within your unions or within your workplace. And people are like, why do I have to care about that? Why is that important? And I'm sitting here going, when they passed that law in Florida that said, teachers aren't allowed to teach queer studies in the classroom. And they're like, it's not an anti-LGBTQ bill. You need to read the bill. I'm like, did you read the bill? Because it has very clear indications of, we don't want this taught to our children because they think it's indoctrination into the queer community. We even have that locally here in Vancouver in particular. We're not allowed to have Drag Queen Story Hour at the Vancouver Public Library. Jen and I were part of that fight early on with the um, Drag Queen Story Hour, and we did experience a lot of pushback. And finally, the library just kind of succumbed to you, the loud minority. But really exciting is that we will be having a Drag Queen Story Time during Pride. So we have brought a drag queen in to do some youth time to play with our kids and to um, do a story hour during that time. Part of our fabulous entertainment. Thank you so much for joining us, Vancouver USA Pride Thank board you for members, Dustina Haas Lanier, Jennifer Lanier, and Brian Belial. Thank you so it much. It was fun. Thank you. thank you so much. And thank you, working people, for joining us on another episode of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council and sponsored by Vancouver USA Pride. Be sure to join them on July 9th in downtown Vancouver's Esther Short Park and find out more about Vancouver USA Pride at vanusapride.org. And remember, listeners, everyone deserves equal treatment at their job, no matter what they do. And the best way to ensure that you receive equal treatment in your workplace is a union contract. In our final report... Belarus union leaders are under attack. Rudy Porter, Solidarity Center Regional Program Director for Europe and Central Asia, briefed members of the Labor Radio Podcast Network at our weekly meeting. For 30 years, there's been a small independent trade union movement in Belarus. The, uh, the National Confederation is called the Belarus Congress of Democratic Trade Unions. Um, it has faced uh, uh, a lot of harsh um, anti-union activities from the government and employers over those 30 years. Uh, the government has made it very difficult to register an independent union. But in recent weeks, it's faced um, an, a uh, frontal attack by the government. Um, the uh, prosecutor general has filed a, a motion in the Supreme Court to decertify the, uh, the BKDP, the Belarus Congress of Democratic Trade Unions, and all four of its affiliates in Belarus if a union is not 
registered, if it's deregistered, that makes it illegal for anyone to be active in that union. You're no longer allowed to be a member of the union, to be an officer of a union, or to, uh, to take any action on behalf of a union that's not registered. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a death sentence to be uh, deregistered for a union. Um, in addition, the uh, government has arrested uh, most of the leadership of the BKDP. Um, there's been over 20 people arrested. We, we believe that at least 15 of them are in jail right now. Um, and they're being charged with serious offenses uh, that would possibly result in sentences of uh, many years, of two to 10 years. And we even received a report from the BKDP uh, two days ago that uh, there are simple members, not even officers, not even really activists, but just members of some of the unions being arrested on administrative sentences. And, and those would be shorter terms, but going after people simply for being a member of these organizations. Uh, to clarify why this is all happening, the government has harassed the independent unions, as I said, uh, since their existence 30 years ago. But uh, this sudden action of arresting the, the leadership and decertifying the unions only happened after the BKDP, the Confederation, issued a public statement uh, against the war in Ukraine. At that nice. point, um, the government uh, took these these uh, severe steps against the union. All right. Last word to you, Harold. I want to wrap this up the way I tend to wrap up my show, which uh, when we're talking about big issues like this, a lot of our listeners are plumbers in Vancouver, Washington, or electricians in Kansas City, um, working people on the ground trying to figure out how to feed their own families, why should they care? Why should they care about something that's happening to trade unionists halfway across the world? Well, the trade union movement is based on solidarity. I mean, if, if we're uh, not concerned about the destruction of independent unions in Belarus, um, and we don't take some kind of action to support them, uh, they will be destroyed. And then the question is what independent unions are destroyed next? Um, it's, it's the same sort of uh, principle of why unions in Southwestern Washington should support unions in Oregon. Um, if there's one place in the world where governments or employers are allowed to destroy unions, um, that will continue to spread and, and soon they'll be coming after us. Rudy Porter, John Hasinski, thank you so much for, for briefing us on this today. Thank you, Chris. Take care, guys. Thank you. 
That'll do it for this edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly as we head into a long holiday weekend. Thank you, American Labor Movement. Our roundup of highlights from just a few of the more than 150 labor radio shows and podcasts that make up the Labor Radio Podcast Network. We've got links to the shows you heard today in the show notes for this podcast. You'll find all the network shows at laborradionetwork.org. And you can also find them by using the hashtag LaborRadioPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Labor Radio Podcast Weekly was edited this week by Mel Smith and Patrick Dixon. I produce the show and... Our social media guru, as always, is Mr. Harold Phillips. You can follow us, hope you do, on Twitter and Instagram, Labor Radio Net. Find out more on our website at laborradionetwork.org. And before we go, please take just a second to help us build sonic solidarity by sharing this show. Just click on the share button. Thanks so much. We really appreciate it. For the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly, this is Chris Garlock. Stay active and stay tuned to your local Labor Radio Podcast show.